0: Hello and welcome to another TF Bulletin edition of the ToxPod for March 2023. With me, I have Rebecca Hartman and Jennifer Schumann. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Rebecca and Jenna, obviously the TF Bulletin editors. So let's just go through a bit of the content that we've got for this edition. Start off as usual with the uh, message from the President.
1: That's right. He's got a few updates from the last few months. He's particularly noted the upcoming 60th celebration of TIAFT in London, which is happening on the 21st of April, which should be a really exciting event, those of you that can make it. Um, And he's also mentioned some of the awards that are up for grabs, which have also advertised in this issue of the Bulletin, including the TIAFT Travel Grant Award, as well as uh, the Achievement Award and the Alan Curry Award.
0: He also talks a little bit about uh, some of the difficulties in getting the Bulletin published, so I encourage you to have a look at that and see what he has to say there.
1: That's right. And this marks the first issue of a few changes to the bulletin that our members will be seeing. Um, We've changed printers. Obviously, costs of printing and uh, posting the bulletin are increasing. So we are actually moving back to three issues a year that we were um, doing previous to 2017. Um, And we've also got a new bulletin email address for those of you who aren't already aware. It's bulletin at tf.org. So For all um, content related to the bulletin or any questions or comments, please send us emails to the new address.
0: Okay, this edition's a United States and Canada special, North American special. What's the idea behind this approach?
2: So this started um, as an idea put forth by the board, actually. They want to have us sort of focus in on different regions of the world with different issues. And the original intent behind this issue was going to be North America in general. And we quickly discovered that we were getting way too much content uh, to make that feasible. So we had to pare it down to just be Canada and the US. And then we're going to do a separate issue later on that's going to feature Central and South America.
0: Sounds like a good idea, you get to see what's happening around the world.
1: Yeah, that's right. It also increases our content from parts of the world that we wouldn't get as much content for regular issues. So we're going to be continuing this with different regions featured in the upcoming bulletins for the rest of the year.
0: And it starts off with a hello from the regional representatives of both Canada, that's Brigitte Desjardins, and representatives from America as well, Suman Rana and Marilyn Hustis.
1: Yeah, they've got a few updates of what's happening and, and their roles as the regional representatives in the US and Canada. The paradigm
2: behind the idea is that the regional reps would actually help us guest edit the various issues and solicit content from their region. So
0: It's only going to be every hundred issues, so that's not going to be too bad. <laughs> every thirty years I'll have to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, your one for Australia is still coming up, Peter. Watch yeah. out. <laughs> They also note that um, if you if the members have any questions or queries or comments, that they they can always contact their regional representatives. So, um, all of the information on everybody's regional reps are um, very easily accessible on the TF website.
0: Yes, contact us. like it. And Michelle Peace has got a very comprehensive article about the long and winding path of cannabis in the United States back from when it was basically grown and it was a actually requirement in some states that you needed to grow it. You have to grow. Uh, hemp, and um, then evolving into illicit use and then prohibition and then back the other way. It's quite interesting.
2: So I asked her to do this article because I was in a workshop about cannabis um, at the American Academy meeting back in February. And they were doing this rather comprehensive presentation on, on cannabis history. And I really found myself kind of fascinated by some of the even just the racism in the naming of marijuana, you know, and some of these aspects. So I thought it would make a very interesting piece.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I encourage everyone to read it. It's very comprehensive. Okay, employment-related drug testing and biological matrices. Tell us a little bit about this one.
2: So this is the first of a series of pieces that our regional editor, Ruth Winokur, um, has volunteered to submit. Here in the US, there's a lot of work on the policy behind workplace drug testing. And this is the result of a lot of the work that they've done at RTI to research this and help establish that science-based policy.
0: It's more or less a primer of exactly how drugs get into the system and uh, the various matrices that are used for workplace testing. So it's a very useful to read. Simon Ricard and Beatrice Garneau have written an article is Canada impervious to scars? What's this about?
1: Yeah, that's right. Despite a whole lot of scras being detected across the world, they're just not seeing a lot of these types of compounds in Canada. So Simon and his team have proposed a little range of hypotheses as to why this actually might be.
0: Yeah, so they're they're going through the possibilities, whether it may be that they're just under-detecting it or the legalisation of marijuana perhaps is, in Canada has reduce the demand for synthetic cannabinoid receptor agonists. That's what a scry is.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, perhaps the scrars are just being masked by the traditional cannabis that's being used across the, the region. So... I think cannabis and all of the scras are a very sort of complicated area of toxicology. So it's interesting to see what's going on in different parts of the world and and to see the different trends where, you know, some compounds might be really common in one part of the world and, and not seen very often at all in other parts.
2: And then they propose some ideas for approaches to scraw testing to sort of keep ourselves on it even as things change and even in a place where we're not seeing them as commonly like Canada they still make the argument that it's important to
1: keep testing That's right because we don't know what we don't know do we? If we're not looking for something then how do we know if it's floating in the community or not?
0: And we've also got Bridget Deschanay, she's a friend of the ToxPod, she's been on uh, episodes previously she's got another statistics primer for the modern toxicologist, chapter 8
2: This time we're looking at uh, some follow-up questions on the measurement uncertainty question. Okay, if I accept the premise of measurement uncertainty, what about these different possibilities? What about these different questions I have that might pertain to my particular situation? So I think she does a really good job breaking it down and, and giving some more details and making some arguments for why you should or shouldn't need to worry about certain specifics that might be not necessarily covered in the basic gum. And I'm a personal fan of the TLDRs that she includes to make sure that even if you aren't following everything that she's putting out there, she gives a nice synopsis of all of her take-home points. So I think that's really helpful.
0: Absolutely. That's a a nice little summary box of each section, which is what you need. Amy Miles has written an article on the regional toxicology liaison project, um, which is a national project, I believe, Rebecca?
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, So far, it's based in three different regions uh, in the US that are listed. If you click on the digital version of the bulletin, you can actually see what the regions are. But they want to expand beyond these three, given the success of the initial program. And the idea is basically to connect toxicology laboratories in specific regions, go visit them, find out what they need, uh, where they're struggling for resources, where they're struggling for training, figure out what the gaps are in the need for different toxicology laboratories, and then work on strategies to help fill those.
0: So they're trying to more standardize testing in traffic, or at least get a minimum standard, is that more or less the gist?
2: Yeah, like I said, it's about trying to fill gaps and fill needs in terms of what the resources are the toxicology labs are lacking. Um, So, training is identified as a major request, uh, particularly things like testimony training and some of those things that it's a little harder to do in-house, but also connecting different laboratories to each other. Sometimes they're not even aware of each other and they can collaborate and help each other. And I think the liaisons sort of help make that happen as well.
0: Sure. Now, lots of labs dream of this, replacing ELISA with um, high-resolution mass spectrometry. Everyone said you can do it, um, but Jessica Ayala has done a cost-benefit analysis of this process that is replacing ELISA with high-resolution mass spec.
2: This was a really interesting read because it seems like it really does depend on the size and throughput of your laboratory, whether it is going to be practical long-term. So obviously, there's a huge upfront cost to purchasing a high-res instrument, and and that's really prohibitive for a lot of laboratories. And what they found was, I think it was 5,000 cases or so is sort of where it breaks even, um, whether it makes sense to keep going with ELISA for your screening or whether it actually will benefit you long term to use high res for your screening instead.
0: So ELISA base is basically immuno aminoassay uh, where it looks at a wide range of benzodiazepine classes, for example. But if a benzodiazepine is too different in structure, then it will be a false negative. Or if there's a, a minor metabolite of a benzo, then it may give you a false positive or a, a natural product could even give you a false positive, especially for some things like amphetamines.
2: And you know in the world of NPS it comes up as well because some unknown compound might trigger a cannabinoid positive or a benzodiazepine positive and it might actually be there but not confirming in your regular methods because it's not a compound that you normally test for.
1: Well, we've got a couple of conference reports as well from the Analytica meeting in Munich in Germany last June. Um, that one comes from Bjorn Wussman and colleagues from St Garland, the um, location for next year's TFT annual meeting. There was a big focus on novel psychoactive substances, which is obviously um, relevant to all of us across the world, um, as well as high res MS in environmental sciences.
0: It's quite a comprehensive summary of the meeting, actually. This uh, trade fair is one of the largest in the world, so it's... Uh... Has been given quite a good summary by the authors, and our other congress report is the TF regional meeting, which was held in November last year.
1: That's right in Mexico City. So that's from um, Carlos Enrique, right,
2: Díaz Otonías.
1: Yeah, who's the um, regional representative from Mexico? So he's given a really good overview on the regional meeting and quite a lot of interesting photos.
0: And towards the end of the bulletin, we've got a list of new members in Mexico. Uh, features quite prominently in that list, I noticed, as do a lot of other countries who may now fall under the developing country uh, status, I guess.
1: That's right. It's really good. And like you said, a really long list of uh, new members from Mexico, which is great to see. Yeah, fantastic. We've got an advertisement there for the upcoming Rome meeting. Um, only a few months to go, which is very exciting. Um, Just a reminder that the abstract submission deadline is coming up on the 30th of April. So make sure you get your abstracts in.
0: And don't forget also the TF travel grants as well, which can help you get there.
1: Yeah, we also want to say thanks to our sponsors who have continued to help out with the bulletin. Um, There's a couple of advertisements in there as well for JAT, obviously a great place to publish all of your content, uh, as well as a new master's degree in forensic toxicology from the University of Florida. So there's some interesting advertisements from our sponsors in there um, and all of the links can be accessed in the online version of the bulletin.
0: The bulletin also features a list of... uh recent Developing Country Fund uh, donors. So thank you very much to all those who contribute to that fund. You can contribute too while you'd pay your membership.
1: And that is a reminder for anybody who hasn't paid their membership like I just did yesterday to get online and (laughs) renew.
0: You must have read my email, Jen.
1: I did. (laughs) Thanks, Peter.
0: (laughs) So thank you very much, uh, Jennifer and Rebecca, for joining us on the ToxPod. Thanks for listening.
2: We'll see you next time.
1: Registration is now open for the 61st annual TAFT meeting taking place from the 2nd to the 6th of September 2024 in St. Gallen, Switzerland. The early bird rate is only available until May 31st, so be sure to register soon for the reduced rate at www.taft2024.org. We look forward to welcoming you to St. Gallen for an inspiring, engaging and enlightening conference.